Hey, hey, a brand new episode of the Happy Productive Podcast is about to begin. It's time to be inspired by simple and actionable solutions for you and your business. If you're an established entrepreneur or just laying down the first brick of your future empire, the mantra is the same. We will flip any failure into a positive and use it to our advantage. This show is all about turning coal into diamonds with the right plan and mindset anything is possible. I'm Jennifer Dawn, your host, business coach, and founder of Best Planner Ever. And I'm here to help you achieve all your ambitious goals. Success is closer than you think. Let's do this. Hey, everybody. Welcome to today's show. And I I'm really excited to see where this conversation is going to go because I think it might be a little bit different than some of the conversations we have had on Happy Productive in the past. So I am here today with author Jason Portnoy, and he wrote a book called Silicon Valley Porn Star. And guys, it's not what you think, okay? It's not what you think. So just hang on, just listen, listen, listen. But Jason, welcome to my show. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yes, absolutely. Would you mind just taking a few minutes and just sharing with the audience, like who you are, you know, some things that you've done and what has led you to being here today on the show? Sure. So Jason Portnoy, humble kid from the suburbs of New Jersey, who found himself in the middle of the first Silicon Valley.com boom, working at this company that became PayPal working with these amazing creators like Elon Musk and Peter Thiel and Reid Hoffman, Max Levchin, Roloff Botho was my boss, and had this amazing experience in Silicon Valley that was totally unexpected. It wasn't something I dreamed of, you know, it just felt like it happened very by accident. And on the outside, it felt like I was doing all the right things and I had all this kind of surface success But turns out on the inside, I had some traumas from my childhood that I didn't understand, certainly hadn't addressed or resolved. And then I started, you know, I started making a bunch of money as a young man in my 20s and early 30s, and I kind of went off the rails. And for me, that looked like getting lost in pornography, online pornography, and then that turned into cheating on my girlfriend, who was then my fiance, then my wife. And I went on this very strange journey, living a double life for a while, until for for a long time, until I got caught. And then when I got caught, everything kind of shattered, came crashing down around me. I had to change at a very fundamental level. I had to go on a healing journey. And when I came out of that, I felt like I wanted to share what I had been through because I felt like it could help others, you know, who are either stuck in difficult creations and feel alone and feel helpless, um, or maybe for young men and women, like a cautionary tale of, you know, what not to do. And so I wrote this book, uh, Silicon Valley Porn Star, and it came out in June of 2022. And the reception was kind of overwhelmed me. And I felt like this is really resonating and I want to share these messages as as broadly as I can. And so I started asking people for help, finding someone who could help me with marketing and building an online brand, et cetera. And that's how I found you. 
And so thank you very much for everything you've been doing to help me in that regard. And, and that's kind of my story. I love it. And, and what's interesting is that when Jason was introduced to me and, and Jason was, was actually introduced to me from Lucas Crump with Everyman. And if all my male listeners out there, if you're not familiar with Everyman, definitely check it out online. It's an, a, an amazing online men's group and also one of our clients. But as we got introduced by Everyman and then we met and we started working together, you asked me to read your book, which makes perfect sense. Sure. And as a female, you know, I'm like, okay, I got to read this book. It's called, you know, Silicon Valley Porn Star. I'm thinking, <laughs> who is oh, this no. guy? <laughs> who is this guy? You know, because really the title, it could go in any direction. Mm. And I'm just like, I was a little bit nervous in reading the book of what was I really going to find in here. Mm. And because of my history, my childhood, I came from sexual abuse from my father. I do remember him looking at pornography. That was just part of what he did. I remember my parents fighting about it. Mm. And there was a part of me that was just like, oh Lord, is this going to be another, well, boys are boys and they just, you know, do Mm. what they do. And, you know, we're going to just, you know, slap them on the hand and say, oh, you're naughty, but we're really, you know what I'm saying? We're going to just like, this is what boys do. And we're supposed to just overlook that as women, especially. So I didn't know what I was going to find in the book, but I sat down, I started reading your book and I think I consumed the whole thing in one night. It was like three or four hours. Wow. And I just, I, I literally read the whole thing in one sitting. And even my husband came in and he's like, what are you reading, honey? <laughs> and he's like, you getting any tips? I'm like, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I, and I, and I said, you know, it's not what you think, but I did tell him like, you should read this. Like, it's a really, really good book. And the way that you handled some of these really sensitive topics, you did Mm. it in such a classy and beautiful and authentic way. And I loved how you brought the elements of your wife's experience um, with Mm. this into the book. Mm -hmm. And for me, the theme that I took away was when you're, when you're living a life that is stressful or, you know, on whatever level you feel like you need a break from, like you've got to escape from this life and you're escaping to an addiction. And you mm-hmm. guys, for Jason, the addiction, you know, porn, sex, those things for all other people that might be the addiction. It might be drugs. It might be alcohol. It might be shopping. It might be any number of other things. But when we're living this life that we feel like we have to escape from, that to me was such a powerful, powerful theme of the book. And, and that's why I wanted to have you here today was to kind of open this up because when we talk about our happiness and being happy while we're, you know, managing our time and achieving our goals and things like that. And in that just almost driven, sometimes we're also driven to achieve success and we can, we can achieve a lot of success, but sometimes it comes at a cost. Yeah. So for me, that was just, it was so relevant and so powerful and really why I wanted to have you here today. So I would love to hear your thoughts as far as this concept of being driven for success, but then also almost leading a secret life that you kind of have to escape from. Yeah, well, what's so fascinating about the drive for success, and a, a lot of my feelings about this I got from this book, Healing the Shame That Binds You by John Bradshaw, which I, I talk about probably too much. Um, but it was a really impactful book for me at a certain part of my journey. Frankly, it wasn't in the kind of darkest 
part of my journey. It was kind of later, but, but I was still carrying a lot of shame and a lot of guilt and embarrassment for, you know, the things that I had done. And he talks about toxic shame that there, you know, there's a, there's a good shame, uh, which is natural and it's a normal emotion, but then there's kind of a toxic version of shame. Brene Brown talks about this as well, that, you know, I'm not worthy. And at, at its fundamental level, it's like, I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough sort of thing. And what's so fascinating about this is that it drives us to be not human because to, to, to be human is to be flawed. Right. And, and so this shame thing drives us to not be human. And we go to one polar or the other. We, we tend to go to one polar or the other. We either go to like a shutdown polar. So like, I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, and I kind of shut down. Or we go to like a hyper-achieving polar. Like, I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy. I have to prove my worth to myself and to the world. And so we get into this hyper-achieving mode. And what's so interesting about that is that our society rewards us, you know, rewards people who get into that mode. You get promoted you get more money, you get more titles, then you buy a fancy car, you buy a nice big house. And all of a sudden you feel like, oh, I'm doing all the right things. And that's kind of the mode that I had gotten into. So yes, again, on the surface, I had this success, but it was being driven by, you know, kind of this root shame that I had developed based on my childhood traumas. And I find that very fascinating. And the only way I feel like I've been able to make progress, and I will, I will say it that way because this is an up and down journey for me, at least personally. So there are months and years where I feel like I'm doing really well, and then there are moments where I'm like struggling again. And the only way I've been able to unwind some of this is to simplify and to do less and that's also very hard, especially if you're in this like hyper-achieving mode. But the level of productivity and doing that I feel we are, a lot of us, especially, you know, those of us who are driven, the level that we set for ourselves is so high. And trying to back away from that and just do less, do less, do less. And that has been very helpful for me. There's a quote, and I'm pretty sure it was your quote because I have some insight into your marketing, and I'm pretty sure I saw it in the marketing for you. Um, something, and I'm going to mess it up, Jason, but it was along the lines of when you let go of all the stuff that makes you unhappy, what you're left with is your happiness. Yes. And I'm pretty sure that was your quote. Yeah. Yes, and that was something that's that's something that was yes, that that is a quote of mine. I don't remember exactly when I said it. But that was something that I learned early on in work I was doing with this life coach. And she kind of started out, you know, she drew this little stick figure on a, on a piece of paper and drew a sun at the top of the page and drew a line connecting the stick figure and the sun and said, when we start out on planet Earth, we have this connection to source. But then as, and then she started drawing all these squiggly lines around the person, separating the person from the sun, you know, which represents source or God or the universe or whatever you want to call, you know, a higher yeah. power of some sort. Yeah. And 
you know, as we grow, all of these things start to separate us. These experiences we have, whether they're traumas or indoctrinations by society or whatever. And we wind up having a lot of static and a lot of stuff between us and our connection with that, you know, source, God, universe, whatever you want to call it. And so the way to get back to a sense of connection and which brings kind of a peacefulness and a serenity is to start removing those layers. And so that was some of the early work I did with that life coach was removing all of these layers, trying to identify the things in my life that were not making me happy or not serving me or impediments to my growth or, or peacefulness and letting go of them. And what I found was that what was left was, was beautiful and amazing. And so then, but then I feel like it's this constant struggle to prevent new layers from forming and, and that's kind of the work that continues. I love this so much. And it is such a powerful concept. And if you're listening right now, I really want you to just take a minute and really think about what Jason just said. Because we often, at least in my coaching work, and even in my own life, we often are always like, I want to be happier. I want to be happier. I want to be happier. I see this and I hear this a lot in my work. And the simple practice of just removing the things that make us unhappy. We don't have to work so hard to be happy because your natural happiness will just be the evolution, the natural byproduct. We don't even have to work at it. It'll just happen when you start to remove some of those layers of things that are making us unhappy. It's so simple, but it's so powerful. I'm sorry to interrupt, but there's... I actually struggle with the word happy because Mm -hmm. I, and I know my quote, I said, you know, I use the word happy, but I I use it because it's the word we all use. Yeah. But in my experience, it's not actually happiness. It's more like peacefulness Mm -hmm. or serenity or something that's closer to those things. And when I started to like touch those things and feel those things, it made happiness feel very kind of thin by comparison, very transient. And so, yes, something happens and I'm happy. And it's like an emotion that moves through me and and it's great. Whereas the peacefulness or the serenity are less of an emotion and more like a state of being. Mm -hmm. And, And actually, I think that when people say they want to be more happy, what they're really saying, is I want to have more peacefulness. I want to have more stillness. I want to have more serenity because when you have those things, when I, you know, I've been able to touch them a few times. Uh, it's it's, it's yeah. not always easy. But the the feeling is so much deeper than happiness. And it just permeates everything you're doing in your life. So I just wanted to comment on the the happiness Yeah, piece. I love that. And it's so it's so true. And even for me at the end of a day, you're right. I mean, happiness does feel a little bit of a lighter, you know, descriptive word to put on it, but it's almost like this, this sense of like, 
at the end of the day, when I know I did the right things, I took care of myself, I helped a lot of people, there's just this sense of just satisfaction and mm. fulfillment. And, you know, it's not that I got everything on the list done. I didn't. Nobody can. It's impossible. The list just keeps growing. Right. But like when you're when you're doing those right things and you're aligned with your your purpose, your passion. And as a coach, I get to help a people, a lot of people all day long, which is a beautiful thing to see those breakthroughs to see the transformation and to know that you're like doing that work there is there's just this deep sense of satisfaction fulfillment peace contentment um, contentment yeah. yeah and it just it feels really good and it stops being a, so much i think about some of the busyness of the day to day of just you know mm -hmm. all of the things that that we're doing in a day yeah you mentioned that you worked with a life coach through this process. Yeah. And at the end, when, um, and I, I don't want to do too many spoiler alerts because I really do want you guys to read this book. It's so, so very powerful. But one of the things I want to talk about is that at the end, when you got caught and mm -hmm. you were lying to your life coach. Yes. And the for reason years. that I want to talk, right. And the reason why I want to talk about this is because I'm a coach, I have a coaching team. We coach a lot of people. And so, of course, that coaching element always just like, oh, I like to hear about that. But when you're lying to your coach, you're you're not going to get the result that you want. So I would just love for you to speak to this and just take us through a little bit of your your process of in the beginning, you you made the decision to work with a coach, but you also made the decision not to be honest with the coach. And so yes. just tell us about like what that looked like. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> I feel like I made the mistake. I think I see others make. Uh, mm -hmm. I was kind of guilty of the same thing where I didn't understand that everything in my life was connected. It's all one life. It's not my work life, my dad life, my husband life, my personal interior life, whatever. It's all one thing. But I didn't understand that at back then. And so I thought, well, yes, I'm philandering and looking at porn, but that can't be contributing to whatever issue I'm having at work or, you know, certainly at work. Those things would mm -hmm. never be related, you know, in the way I used to think. Certainly with my wife, I might realize, well, you know, I'm cheating. But but actually, back then, I didn't. I thought, well, she doesn't know. So it can't be affecting mm -hmm. our relationship. I was so asleep <laughs> uh, as it related to those things. And yeah, I just thought I could compartmentalize and... I don't have to tell the life coach about this thing because it's not relevant to this other thing. And so I, I'm not even sure I would have described it as lying back then. Mm -hmm. It was just mm -hmm. like omitting selective facts that I thought weren't relevant to my healing process, which of course sounds that, that ridiculous. Sounds so much better, Jason, right? I just <laughs> right? selectively omitted some facts. <laughs> that, that weren't relevant to what we were working on, right? right? We're talking right, about right. my work. What does my porn yeah. habit have to do with it? Well, it turns yeah. out, first of all, it's all connected. And whether you're lying or just omitting facts that you don't think are relevant or keeping secrets, any of that stuff, it's going to 
limit the progress you can make if you're working with a coach or a counselor or a therapist. You know, I say this, uh, it's another quote I say it in the book a lot, that I only really started to get well when I shared all of my secrets. And it was like, in the, in the, and you can talk about it a lot of different ways, but one way is that in that moment, when I shared all of my secrets, I finally presented my whole self to this person who was there to help me. And only when I presented my whole self could she help me, <laughs> right? Because it wasn't that I had to fix some aspect of my personality to fix something at work, or I had to fix some approach that I had with my wife to be a better husband. It was, I had to heal very fundamentally as a human, like my soul. And once I did that, I became better at work. I became a better husband. I became a better father. So the mechanism wasn't about specifically tinkering with bits and pieces. It was about integrating myself into one whole healthy human and i don't want to imply that i am a whole healthy human at the like i'm still yeah. a work in progress for sure but i'm definitely more whole and more healthy than i was and yeah. and as that happened i kind of magically became better in these you know other aspects of my life and it was fascinating it really is so fascinating. And my hope is that people who are listening, I know right now, somebody is in therapy, somebody's working with a coach, somebody's omitting facts. Selectively in, omitting facts selectively that they don't think are omitting relevant. Yeah. Facts they don't think are relevant in their work with a professional. And they will hear this. This is my hope that they will hear this and they will go, oh. And because even when you said that, it gave me chills. And it's just like that beautiful truth bomb of like, guys, you know, you have to tell your secrets because if you can tell your secrets, that's where your real healing is going to start. And that's what we want to see happen. So my hope is that somebody hears this and, and is inspired or has the courage to really show up in the next session that you have with whoever your professional, you know, mm -hmm. person is you're working with and be honest and be vulnerable and share the secrets because that therapist, that coach can't really help you if you're not fully present, right? And not really right. being honest about what's happening. Well, especially for entrepreneurs, I feel this is very, very important. And I, and I work as a venture capitalist. I work with a lot of entrepreneurs. I myself started my own venture capital firm, so I have some experience firsthand. And what I learned you know, I started to see this entrepreneurship journey as a, in a very kind of spiritual way, where an entrepreneur creates a creation, and in a weird way, is the god of that creation, right? Has like birthed this creation and in ways controls its destiny, right? And so this creation becomes a real world manifestation of this individual's you know state of consciousness and so if that creation i'm speaking of the entrepreneurial endeavor the business that they've started whatever it is if that creation bumps up against limitations that is a physical representation of the limitations of the creator's consciousness mm. and so the way to move through 
the limitations or the boundaries of the creation is for that creator to elevate their consciousness to a level where those boundaries or limitations don't exist anymore. And then what they will see is that their business magically expands. Mm -hmm. And so I, I often tell these entrepreneurs, your business can't grow faster than you grow. And your business can't get bigger than you are. So you have to keep expanding your energy and you have to do it as fast as you do that. That's as fast as your business will grow. So yeah, it's yeah. taken on a very spiritual take you know, uh, mode for me. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I love it so much. And this is exactly why I wanted you to be on the show, Jason, because oh, that, that is just, it's so powerful and it's so profound. And I think as entrepreneurs, we really need to hear that because we deal with all these challenges on a day-to-day -day basis. And sometimes we get caught up in thinking that it's all tactical stuff that we have to solve. But if we don't, don't go deeper and develop ourselves, we're never going to really be able to grow that business if we are not actively growing and healing ourselves. That's right. Yeah. The, and I, I actually feel like there's, there's something in this entrepreneurial push that it's almost like if you have been compelled to become an entrepreneur and to start something from scratch, it's almost, I, I will go as far as saying, it is your soul's way of saying, I am ready to manifest a creation that shows me in the real world where my limits are so that I can push through those limits or that shows me where my bottlenecks are or my growth pain points, whatever, traumas, so that I can have a way to push through those. I almost feel like that's where that entrepreneurial thing comes from. It's our soul is saying, I'm ready for this. Let's go. You know? And so then it becomes an adventure and, yeah. you know, a journey and an adventure and hopefully fun. Yeah. Which is something I'm frankly working on in present day is <laughs> getting back to fun. I feel like yeah. I was having a lot of fun for a long time. Then I got kind of bogged down and now I'm trying right. to find that fun, fun zone again. Nice. But you know, the way that you phrase it and you guys, this is what I mean by when, when Jason wrote his book and I read the book, he deals with these like really sensitive, intimate topics in such a beautiful and profound way. Mm. Um, I, I really want to encourage everybody to go out and get this book and read it. Um, but when you say like, oh, your business is, you know, your limitations are manifesting, you know, when you look at your business, that actually sounds beautiful. It sounds fun. It doesn't sound like some of the like the day to day shit show that entrepreneurs are <laughs> yes. faced with yes. every day. You're like, oh, oh, okay. This is my soul's limitations. Like, I really resonate with that. I'm like, oh, if I can look at it in a positive way, then it does start to be more fun that, you know, all these things that I now need to go work on in my business. Right. I love it. So Jason, one of the things that I, I found was so fascinating in the book is that your wife also worked with the same life coach. Yeah. And when the, the truth, you know, finally came out, the life coach held her responsible too. Mm -hmm. And I thought this was so fascinating. And the reason why I want to bring this up is because I know right now, for people who are listening, you're in relationships, you, you have a partner, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, whatever, a husband, wife, whatever. And you 
probably experienced some level of something like this. You know, somebody cheats on somebody else. Um, there's a porn addiction. There's some other kind of addiction. It's often something we don't want to talk about. We don't want our friends to know. We're embarrassed. We're ashamed. We might be working with somebody, but we're not even telling them the whole truth about what's <laughs> happening. Right? I mean, it's yeah. a very, very real yeah. thing. I was married previously. My husband cheated on me. Like I have, I've been through infidelity. And so even for me, reading the book as a female, and you read the book and you, you, you read these things and you're just like, my gut reaction was like, I would never trust him. I would never stay married to yeah. him. I would be divorcing him. And in fact, I have said to my husband, look, dude, I, I have my limitations. And if you cheat on me, that's that's like, I'm out. And he knows this. Now, if he hopefully he would never do it, but if he did, you know, I've said, you know, that's my boundary. And the fact that you and your wife managed to heal from this and 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 preserve the relationship and find ways to forgive. But I thought it was so fascinating because it's so easy as the female in this situation to say, oh, that, you know, look what he did. It's all his fault. I'm divorcing him. I'm out of here. You know, he's the bad guy. I, I was the victim. But there was a very different take, a there, very yes. different take on this. And yes. it, was, it was really fascinating. I'd love for you to speak to this. Yeah, sure. So many different things come up when you talk about this. I feel like one of the very fundamental things that, you know, I learned from the life coach and had to develop and, and understand initially it was like letting go of my secrets, but also it was taking very, very deep levels of responsibility for everything that was happening in my life. And that extended to my wife and Marie as well. And so what does that look like in practice? I mean, it's easy to say, what does that look like in practice? In the case of, you know, I was cheating and what's Anne Marie's reaction to that? She could say, you did this thing. It's your fault. I'm divorcing you or whatever. Another thing she can say, if she's taking responsibility for everything that's happening in her life, she can say, why is this happening? Why did I put myself in a situation where this could happen to me? What was I getting out of this? Because if I was in the situation, I must have been getting something out of it. So here she now she's taking responsibility and saying, I somehow was benefiting in some way. Now I can make a conscious choice. But in the past, I was making a very unconscious choice. So again, so that's kind of the taking responsibility part, you know, for, for what's happening. For her, it turned out, so her father battled with alcohol and drug addiction when she was young. Um, he's been sober for a long time now, but when she was young, he was not. And she had a parent who was emotionally unavailable and in an addiction. And so it turns out it was a very comfortable place for her to be with a man who was himself in an addiction and emotionally, you know, not available. And so that's what she was getting out of it. And there's a there's a book about this. I probably talk about this book too much as well. It's called Women Who Love Too Much. And it talks about this dynamic. In fact, it was after reading that book that we really started to understand this. She really started to understand this. And so, yeah, it wasn't just her pointing a finger at me. It was her asking herself, what did I do to create this in my own life? And 
that was very important for our relationship, obviously, because it, but then she was very clear and said, hey, I may have been making an unconscious choice in the past, but now I have to ask myself, do I want to co-create with this person? And the answer is no, unless you change very fundamentally. And that was a big motivator for me. And, you know, I have to give her so much gratitude and appreciation for number one, being willing to, to take responsibility for her side of the creation, but also to give me that space to move through what I was moving through and go on that journey to change and saying, this is part of Jason's soul's journey. And this, for her, this was part of her soul's journey. And relationship keeps getting deeper from that moment. I feel like Unfortunately, and there are some relationships that should not continue. And I, there's abusiveness, uh, you know, or there's one partner who's willing to actually do the hard work to change and take responsibility. And maybe there's another partner who's not. And if that's the case, there's just no way you can stay in that relationship. But if both of the people commit, which in a way is what we are committing to when we get married, right? We've, I feel like. Sometimes we lose sight of that. Lose sight of that, yeah. But really, we're we're not committing to things going perfect. We're committing to sticking with each other when things aren't going perfect. I mean, that's the only time the commitment really matters, right? It's it's easy to stay together when everything's going great. So I feel like couples who don't make that commitment, I feel like they miss out because mm. we had to go on such deep soul searching journeys understanding ourselves, understanding our traumas, healing our traumas, et cetera, et cetera. It helped both of us grow so tremendously as individuals. I feel like if we had just gotten divorced and gone on to different relationships, we probably wouldn't have been forced to like reconcile these things. And I don't know, I I feel like it wouldn't have been quite as good. I don't know. Not to, again, I know that some relationships shouldn't continue, but yeah. But there Absolutely. are some that I think if if both parties really committed, it could be very beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. One of my very best friends, her and her husband, they have a great marriage. One that I just, I look at them and I'm like, man, you guys have such a great marriage. And their history is that earlier on they'd had, they were had two young children and he was unfaithful in, in the relationship and they were separated for a period of time. And I, I asked her, I'm like, you know, how did you find it? How were you able to forgive him and move on. And and they now have a very successful marriage and they've been together for, I don't know, 25, 30 years. It's been a long time. And she said, really, Jennifer, for me, one, we found a great marriage counselor and they both made the commitment to go to the marriage counselor to work on the marriage. And two, he was honest with me. She's like, he came clean. And as soon as he came clean and he told me the truth, that was really the moment where I felt like I could now rebuild the trust and actually trust him because he came clean with me instead of, you know, hiding and and not, not being that person. But because he was, they were able to go and successfully repair the marriage and, and have a great marriage today. Well, yeah. And I can say from experience, him coming clean to her is partially about him being honest with her. And kind mm-hmm. of honoring that commitment and that relationship. But maybe even more importantly, him letting his secrets out is what mm-hmm. started to heal him. Yeah. And, and, and in, in, in the healing, 
that's when you're changing. So he might look like the same person on the outside. They might look like the same two people on the outside, but they're two very different people than they were before the, you know, these revelations came out. So that's something I, Anne-Marie and I also talk about. Like, yes, we are still Anne-Marie and Jason, and we're still married, but we're such different people. We're, we're completely different. So it's really like a totally new marriage. And so, yeah, I think for me, when I was keeping my secrets, all of the shame that was building up and all of the guilt and all the embarrassment and that feeling of being out of control and alone because I had these secrets, uh, which I, I didn't tell anyone, right? Not my best friends, nobody. It was those feelings that I was trying to run away from and numb myself from feeling and hide from it was that that drove me deeper and deeper into seeking out comfort, you know, love, distraction, whatever, through pornography and sex. And so that's, you know, that's that addictive cycle that people get into. And like you said earlier, it could be porn and sex, it could be alcohol, drugs, whatever, but it's the, the secrets kind of keep you in it, ironically. And so when you let it out, it's um there's the sense of relief mm-hmm. and and then the need to run away so now going back to where you started the need to escape from this starts to dissipate because there's nothing to escape from anymore uh and that would be kind of the goal to move towards I love that so much. You read my mind, Jason, and you brought it all the way back home. You did that perfectly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah of just that that concept of, and, and there's going to be somebody here who's listening, and I really hope that you take this to heart, that when you have the courage to tell the secrets, you know, to stop, I'm going to use the word lying, but when you, when you stop lying to yourself, yeah. to others, and you really step into your true and authentic self, that's really when the healing can happen. That's when the happiness, right? That's when the happiness can actually start to just flow and and happen without you having to work so hard or, or running away from things. But it's only when you take that step to really honor yourself that you can start that process. Yes, and there's another thing here, which is that there are different kinds of secrets. So there are secrets that we keep consciously, and then there are secrets that we keep that we don't even know that we're keeping. Mm -hmm. And these are the things that start to get unearthed in therapy, counseling, plant medicine ceremonies. I know that's becoming more popular where people remember things that they, you know, secrets that their body or their psyche was keeping from themselves. And that takes it to a whole nother level of healing. Um, and so I, that's why I'm always encouraging people, you know, have someone that you're talking to, go on this healing journey, let go of your secrets. As you let go of the secrets you're consciously keeping, eventually there, you might find that there's other secrets in there. And as those come out, as scary as that sounds and as painful as it sounds, it's a beautiful thing. Um, that cleansing. Yeah, it is such a beautiful thing. All right. I want to encourage each and every person listening to this show to go get the book. <laughs> it, like I said at the beginning, it's not what you think. And now after you've heard all of this, you're probably realizing, oh, wow, that it, the title is not what I think. 
And it is just such a great book. And it's so well written and so many amazing insights. And it's not just for men, ladies. Uh, I read it. I got so much from the book. I want my husband to read it as well. And so it's it's really not just for men, not that it's not a great thing for men, especially if you're caught in one of these cycles and you're looking for, you know, a step that you can take or a way to, to heal this. It's it's absolutely possible. So Jason, um, in our last minute or two, will you please share where people can find you and where they can find your book? Sure. So you can find me on my website, jasonportnoy.com. You can buy the book on Amazon. There's a link on my website, so make it easy. You can also find me on social media. There's a way you can send me a message through my website, and I love getting those emails. I get them from men and women all over the world, and it's I love hearing those stories and trying to help. So yeah, lots of ways. Social media, whatever works for you. Wonderful. I love it. Jason, thank you so much for being here with me today. This is such a fascinating conversation. Like I could literally just talk to you for hours. It just, I think we should do another one. I feel like there's a lot that we didn't touch on. Yeah, there is. And you know, there are a few things that we did not touch on. So we'll have to do a happy productive part two with Jason Portnoy. Okay, (laughs) I love it. All right, you guys, thank you so much, Jason, for being here today. Everybody else, you guys get the book and then get out there and have a happy, productive day. All right, bye. I hope you found today's episode of the Happy Productive Podcast inspiring. Every successful business is formed by a set of small, consistent, and attainable steps. If you want to learn more, come visit us at jenniferdawncoaching.com to take your next step and learn how to meet your business goals. On our website, you're going to find free resources along with links to the life-changing coaching programs that have transformed the lives of so many of our clients, including the Coaching Academy and our Unbreakable Retreats. Many of them started their journey by listening to this podcast. That's it. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for our next episode. This is the She Leads Podcast Network.